On this episode of the Grizz Podcast, I am back with part two of Effective Biblical Strategies to Fight Lust. That's right, part two of Effective Biblical Strategies to Fight Lust. On part one, I focused on what God's design and standards are regarding sex and sexual pleasure. And I also gave you some of my backstory. But now, I want to focus on the how. How? Can we live the sexually pure life that God's called us to live while living in this fallen, perverted world? No doubt. It's going to be a fight, my brothers. It won't be easy, but you can do it if you learn and apply these effective biblical strategies to fight lust that I'm going to share with you right here on this episode. It's some good, solid, biblical but extremely practical stuff, my brothers. So here we go. brothers from other mothers thanks for taking time to tune in and listen to the grizz you know i can't resist some 80s karaoke i'm your host jason george and today is friday august 11th 2023 man i'm coming at you from the hot and humid low country of south carolina it is so hot it is so humid man anyway this epic song is called misled by cooling the gang It's one of my favorite 80s bands, and I chose this particular song to start off the show because, interestingly, the entire song is about a man who is drawn away by sexual lust. He was misled. Listen to some of the lyrics right here, man. He starts out and he says, Late at night, body's yearning, restless night, want to be with you. Anybody relate? Anybody ever had a night like that? Late at night, body's yearning. Restless night, want to be with you. Someone's playing in the garden. So enticing, he's sure to take a bite. I don't know what's come over me. Yeah, she's as heavy as a Chevy. Now that's the one line in the song. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what this dude's talking about. 
she's as heavy as a Chevy. I don't know if he's into big girls or what. If he is, that's cool, man. I got nothing against that to each their own. Anyway, pure excitement, misled. When she touches, can't resist her. I'm a puppet when she's playing me. She's outgoing, but I love her so, misled. So I'm saying now, baby, baby, what's your claim to fame? Got me out of bed, heard you call my name. What's this crazy place you want to take me to? Tell me what's the price if I go with you. Now listen to this. He asked the question, what's the price if I go with you? My heart, my soul, my love. Is that the goal? It's a thrill. Then I will be misled. Be for real. Thought I knew her, this lady, opportunist, misled, always searching for adventure like Pandora's box, misled. And I don't know what I'm going to do without her. Baby, baby, what's your claim to fame? Got me out of bed. Heard you call my name. What's this crazy place you want to take me to? Tell me what's the price if I go with you. My heart, my soul, my love. Is that the goal? It's a thrill. Then I will be misled. Be for real. As I said at the intro, we are back with part two of effective biblical strategies to fight lust. And let me start out by telling you a story, a true story about a friend who really was misled by sexual lust. You see, he fell into an adulterous affair that brought many painful consequences into his life and family. And he gave me permission to share his story right here on the Grizz podcast. My friend is a Christian. And like many Christian guys, he'd been secretly struggling with porn and lust for years. And he wasn't coming clean about it with anyone. He wasn't in any kind of accountability recovery group or any kind of one-on-one accountability to help him with that struggle. So that sexual lust left unchecked began to grow like a malignant tumor. Because that's the nature of sin, guys. If it's left unchecked, it will always grow into more sin and worse sin. So his sexual lust and porn use led to lots of flirtation with various females that he encountered, older and younger. By the way, that's extremely unhealthy and foolish for a married man. But I see it all the time, especially at the gym where I work out. Married men with wedding bands on their ring finger, checking out females older and younger, and then even going over and flirting with them. Dumb. Playing with fire, man. Misled. So along came this one middle-aged woman at the gym that caught my friend's attention. He was attracted to her. He was checking her out. You know, the first glance turns into the second glance, third glance, fourth glance. He also saw her a few times at church. That's right, at church. She too was a Christian, married with kids, just like my friend. As I said, he did more than just notice her. He began checking her out. That's where it begins, guys. It's the second glance that begins the process 
of dismantling a Christian man's life. Let me say that again, because you need to tattoo it in your heart and mind. It's the second glance that begins the process of dismantling a Christian man's life. So one day, my friend went over and began talking to her at the gym. And he complimented her on how good she looked after recently having a child. Apparently, she had lost a lot of weight and got back into shape. She smiled and said thank you. And then she complimented him back on how good he looked. My friend is a pretty fit guy who works out like five days per week, keeps himself looking good. But something deep happened in that moment. Something subtle but powerful was at work below the surface. The old dark magic that we talked about on part one. You see, once she complimented him back, it stroked his ego and also let him know that she may be interested in more. That's really what the flirtation game is all about. A man is fishing and seeing if he can get any kind of a bite. What the man doesn't realize is he's not the only one fishing. The enemy is fishing too. Fishing with the bait of sexual lust and hiding the hook of guilt, shame, loss of peace, joy, spiritual strength, broken marriage, devastated children, ruined testimony, remorse, regret. The enemy is fishing too. But he doesn't show you the hook within the bait. He hides that very well. So with flirtation, you're fishing, but the enemy is fishing for you. Anyway, my friend began talking to the woman more and more when he was at the gym, and it all seemed so innocent. She'd be working out, and she'd smile at him when he was checking her out, and he'd smile back. they talk about their home life and marriages, and one time, she told my friend that she wished her husband worked out more like he did, and began to talk about how her husband was letting himself go, not caring about his body. And that was another stroke to my friend's ego. Another indicator that this woman was interested in him. This flirtiness at the gym went on for a good amount of time. Weeks. One day, she called my friend on his phone, asked him to come over to measure something in their home for some renovations that her and her husband were doing. My friend is a contractor. But the husband wasn't home at the time. Horrible idea. Married Christian men shouldn't meet alone with females. Ever. Always keep it public. Always have a third party present. Nothing happened. But when he left her house, he called her. And he told her that he actually thought about kissing her. My friend was testing the waters. More fishing. Let's just see if I get a bite. She told him, that's not right. That's not right that you were thinking that. He agreed and apologized for even having the thought. And he thought that was the end of that. But a few hours later, she called him back. And she said that she wished he would have kissed her. And there it is. The hook is set. 
fish on. From then on, they began text messaging each other, and soon they began exchanging inappropriate pics. They knew they had to be careful, and they agreed when to send each other text and to constantly delete their text threads so that they wouldn't get caught. They were very careful to cover their tracks. A few weeks later, he was going out of town for something and she arranged to meet him. And that was the first time she kissed him. And some other things happened that I won't get into because I don't want it to be a trigger to any of you listening. After that sexual encounter, they began to arrange more meetings where more sexual things happened. They both felt convicted. They tried to break off the affair. They both knew it was wrong, but they always ended up back in sin. My friend even continued to go to church and do a lot of good Christian things. So did she. He even continued to give money to his church through all of this. But inside, inside, he said he felt two-faced, divided, convicted, miserable. He wanted out, but the hook of sexual sin was in deep. And it's an extremely strong hook to break away from. One day, the woman's husband spotted a text from my friend on her phone. Her husband spotted it, and it made him question, could there be an affair? He confronted his wife. She denied everything. He pressed her hard to tell him the truth, and she broke down, and she told him everything. The husband then contacted my friend's wife and told her everything. And my friend's wife then confronted my friend. He initially denied it, but she kept pressing him. He knew he was caught, but he didn't know how much she knew. So he didn't want to say too much. He was still trying to cover his tracks still trying to save face. That's what we all naturally do. We naturally only admit to what we're caught with. She pressed him more as she gathered more of the facts of the affair and he confessed more to her. He also had to go and confess to his grown daughter and his teenage son. They were devastated. His wife and son told him to get out of the house. He left and was forced to rent an apartment. He ended the affair. He's working through recovery right now. His wife and son go to counseling. Word has spread around town and the church about what he did. Every day, instead of going home after work to his beautiful wife and his kid, he goes to an empty apartment where he sits alone, full of regret and remorse, and he's working through recovery with a group of guys. And I asked him, was it worth it?
You know, like, was the orgasm worth all that you're facing right now? And he said, no way. I regret it. I wish I could go back and undo all of it. But he can't. It's too late. You guys remember Proverbs 6, the passage I brought up on part one of these talks? The questions that are asked there in Proverbs 6. Can a man take fire against his bosom and not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? The answer is no. You can't take fire to your bosom and not be burned. You can't walk on hot coals and your feet not be scorched. Does God forgive my friend? Absolutely. God is full of mercy, grace, loving kindness. <clears throat> Thank God for 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there's still painful consequences to face for a sexual sin. And this is why I'm going through this series of talks. I don't want you to end up like my friend or worse. You need to be a man of integrity. Your wife needs that from you. Your future wife needs that from you. Your kids need that from you. Your grandkids need that from you. So do your friends and your co-workers and church members, etc. Let's take a quick break. I'm going to go warm up my 127 coffee. And then we'll dig into the specifics of how you can effectively fight sexual lust. By the way, I'm drinking 127 coffee, which is exceptional coffee that helps make a difference in the lives of underprivileged children, teens, families in Uganda 
through Victory 127 Mission, who is providing food, clothing, shelter, education, and the good news of Jesus Christ. Guys, go order a few bags of 127 coffee. Go to 127.coffee, 127.coffee, and use the promo code GRIZ, G-R-I-Z. They're going to give you 10% off your first order. I promise you won't be disappointed. It truly is exceptional coffee. And every time you take a satisfying sip, you also feel a deep satisfaction knowing that you're helping to make a difference in Uganda. So author and speaker Sam Black, who I've had on the podcast, he said this, and I totally agree with him. It is impossible for men to authentically lead without integrity. He goes on, he says, porn keeps them under siege, spiritually impotent and compromised in their leadership. Let me read it again. It is impossible for men to authentically lead without integrity. Porn keeps them under siege, spiritually impotent and compromised in their leadership. Ouch. Convicting, but motivating. Do you want to know one of the big reasons why Christian men, young and old, are not having much of a powerful influence for good upon their home, their church, their workplace, their neighborhood, this upside down culture? You want to know why? Do you want to know why many pastors and youth pastors are not having a deep God empowered impact upon their congregations? Because they lack integrity. Integrity matters. Holiness matters. Pastor Robert Murray McShane was spot on when he said, the greatest need my people have of me is my personal holiness. I keep that quote in front of me in my office to remind me of that fact every single day. My brothers, it is impossible for you to authentically lead without integrity. And you want to know the number one thing that's wrecking most Christian men's integrity? Sexual lust. Porn. You know it's true. You've personally experienced it. Or honestly, you wouldn't be listening to this episode. I've personally experienced it. When porn is in your life, you can't lead effectively. Because, as Sam Black said, porn keeps you under siege, spiritually impotent, and compromised in your leadership. We need to be men of integrity. And listen, guys, no man is born with integrity. It doesn't come natural to any of us. The Bible teaches that at salvation, God gives us a new nature. We become new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, but man, we have to fight to attain and maintain a life of integrity. Dude, we don't naturally drift towards integrity. Our natural tendency is to drift away from godly things. We have to fight to attain and maintain a life of integrity. Every single day, it's a fight. And the fight is against three powerful enemies. Enemy number one is your sinful flesh. Your sinful flesh. Romans 7, 19 through 20 says, 
For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Your sinful flesh craves sexual sin, perversion, the erotic, the forbidden. So does mine. You have to make war against your sinful flesh. And I'm going to show you how in just a little bit. Enemy number two is this evil, perverted world system that we live in. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. James 4.4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see, this evil, perverted world system, with all of its ungodly, perverted media influences that are coming at you constantly, you must guard against it. You don't even have to go looking for sexual lust or porn like I did when I was a kid. It now comes looking for you. It's everywhere. So enemy number two is this evil, perverted world system. And enemy number three is the devil and his demons. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Listen, guys. Satan and his demons are real, and they're active, and they can influence, tempt, and even afflict you if God allows them to, as he did with Job and even the Apostle Paul. They can sow thoughts into your mind. I don't understand how they do this, but they can do this. Tempting thoughts, accusing thoughts, anxious thoughts, negative thoughts, violent thoughts, deceptive thoughts. Spiritual warfare is real, my brothers. I've experienced it many times throughout my Christian life and ministry. When you begin to truly surrender your life to God and follow him, you will see how real and challenging it becomes. That's why we have to armor up like Ephesians 6 tells us. Satan and his demons use sexual lust to lure you away from what truly matters. Because they want to enslave and destroy you. They want to take you out of the fight. If they have you entangled in porn or some other sexual sin, then you're pretty much powerless and useless in your Christian life. It's just like Sam Black said, it is impossible for men to authentically lead without integrity. Porn keeps them under siege, spiritually impotent, and compromised in their leadership. So every day, all three of these enemies are coming at us. Every single day, there are no days off. 
no vacations from these enemies. So we better learn how to fight. And I'm going to show you how to fight with effective biblical strategies. These strategies work because they're biblical. They come straight from God's word. So get your pen, get your journal, take some notes, put me on pause if you have to. Write these things down, my brothers, because you need to remember them and you need to apply these biblical strategies. Like, listen, man, biblical information without practical, I'm sorry, said it wrong. Biblical information with practical application is what leads to personal transformation. You've got to know the word, but you have to do what the word says. And that's what will transform your life. So for this episode, for the sake of time, I'm only going to give you two effective biblical strategies for fighting sexual lust. I'll give you more on part three. And maybe there's going to be part four, part five. I don't know yet. But anyway, effective biblical strategy number one to fight sexual lust. Write this down. Separate yourself from the temptation lust separate yourself from the temptation lust separation that means do whatever it takes to get the heck away from it and get it the heck away from you scriptures that teach on this are second timothy 2:22 it starts out and it says so flee youthful lust flee separate from it is what it's saying 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Remember, we talked about what that word means in the Greek. Flee from porneia. Separate from porneia. Romans 12.9, abhor what is evil. Psalm 34.14 starts out and says, turn away from evil. Separation, guys. Separate yourself from the temptation, the lust. That means bounce your thoughts away from lustful imaginations. Run from the thoughts. You can control your thoughts. You have that power. You don't have to keep thinking what you're thinking. You can get away from that thought. Learn to bounce your eyes away from tempting images and people. Learn to talk yourself off the edge when you begin edging close to sin. I was at the gym recently, and I was doing this. Saw some attractive females in some skimpy outfits. And here's what I say to myself. She's someone's daughter. You have a daughter. She's someone's daughter. She's someone's wife, or she's someone's future wife. She's not yours. You're a married man. You're a father. You're a spiritual leader, mentor, coach. You see what I'm doing there? I'm bouncing my eyes away from tempting images people. I'm separating myself from it. And I'm also talking myself off the edge. Also, a way we separate is just physically remove yourself from tempting locations and environments. I don't understand why some dudes just stay there. You know it's tempting you. You know it's a major struggle. Why do you stay there? Go work out in a different area of the gym if you have to. 
you know, my friend that I was telling you that story about, he won't go back to that same gym where that woman is who he had an affair with. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's separation. That's godly. That's biblical. That's what we do. That's how we roll. That's wise. You see an attractive woman in a restaurant that you want to check out. She keeps getting your attention. Dude, move your seat. Face a different direction in the restaurant. Separate. You see an attractive woman at the beach. Move your beach chair. Face a different direction. If it's too much, just leave the beach. Get out of there. Separate. If you have some sort of porn stashed in your house, you trash it. You get rid of it. You burn it. Separate. If you see an erotic massage place, if that's what used to tempt you, you drive away from it. You don't even go in the parking lot. Same with a strip club. Separate. If someone flirts and tries to come on to you who is not your wife, run. Get out of there. Just like Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. Separate. Effective biblical strategy. Number two, to effectively fight sexual lust is... Do whatever it takes to prevent yourself from returning to your sin. Do whatever it takes to prevent yourself from returning to your sin. I call it prevention. There's separation, then there must be prevention. Guys, listen. Don't just confess your sin to God into your accountability group or your accountability partner. Don't, don't just do that. I mean, that's good. That's biblical, but it's not enough. That's not repentance. To repent, you need to separate. And then you also need to prevent. Prevent yourself from returning to your sin. That means you got to watch your game films and you got to figure out how you can prevent yourself from Returning to the same sin that knocked you down the last time. Prevention is biblical. It's part of repentance. It means you do whatever it takes to keep yourself from returning to that same sin that knocked you down last time. Listen to what scripture says about this. Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. One translation says it this way, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't give yourself any opportunity to gratify your sinful desires. How would you not give yourself an opportunity? You would prevent. Romans 8.13, so put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual self-centered instincts immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Now that comes from the Amplified Bible, but I like that. Matthew 5, 27 through 30, listen to the words of our Lord talking about prevention. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, 
that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Dude, that's some serious prevention of sin right there. And the question that you've got to ask yourself is what's the hand or the eye that's causing you to sin? Our Lord says to amputate it out of your Christian life. Separation, prevention. That's what he's saying. He didn't say just confess it to me, just confess it to your accountability group or partner. He says, man, you got to do what it takes to prevent it from occurring again. John 8. Remember what Jesus told the woman who was caught in adultery after he gave her grace and forgiveness. He then told her, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And how are you going to do that? How are you going to go sin no more? Number one, you're going to separate yourself from the temptation and the lust. And number two, you're going to do whatever it takes to prevent yourself from returning to the sin. A few months ago, we had a problem with some marsh rats getting into our garage. I absolutely hate rats, man. And marsh rats are a real problem down here in the low country of South Carolina. And dude, the moment I realized that we had some in our garage, I wanted them gone. I wanted complete separation from them in my life. So to do that, I had a choice to make. Either I had to move away from my home or I had to do the hard work of prevention. Well, I'm not moving away from my new home that my wife and I built recently. So it was time for me to make war on the marsh rats. And that meant I had to figure out how they were getting into my garage and why they were getting into my garage. Then I had to kill the ones that were in my garage. And then I had to prevent others from ever entering it again. And all of that required effort, time, investigation, meeting with an exterminator multiple times. And that meant money spent. But I don't care. It's worth it. Because I was dead serious about winning the war against those dang marsh rats. First thing the exterminator and I did is go after the rats that were already in the garage. Sneaky bastards were hiding. So we baited them with his special concoction. Seeds covered in peanut butter and molasses. And we lured them to the traps and killed them. And I prayed it was a slow and excruciating death. Dude, I had no interest in trapping them and relocating them. Because I know rats, they'll just come right back. So I went at it, Wyatt Earp style. Kill them. Kill them all. You know, 
Tell them I'm coming and hell's coming with me. Total genocide was the war I was waging against the marsh rats. So we got them. We killed them all. We sent them all to hell. But guess what? I didn't stop there. That would be arrogant and foolish. We then cleared the garage of anything and everything that might be attracting marsh rats. Food, trash, scented candles, etc. Then we found tiny little areas where those dang marsh rats could get in. And guess what? I didn't ignore those areas. We sealed them up. I'm talking professionally with the exterminator. You know, they may find another way to get in my garage that I don't know about, but they sure ain't getting in the same way that they came in before because I prevented that from happening. Prevention, my brothers. But I didn't stop there either. Then I went to Tractor Supply and I bought some bait traps to put outside my house and my garage so that if they ever even come near my home, They'll eat the bait, which is poisonous, and go off into the marsh and die. Die, you bastards. Do you see what I did there, too? More prevention. I didn't just just get the rats out of my garage, separation. I sealed up the holes where they were getting in. And I went on the offensive to kill the ones outside of my home with poison so that there's no marsh rats anywhere around my house that might even be considering coming in. That's prevention. I hate rats. I'll do whatever the Sam Hades it takes to kill them all. I want them out of my life for good. Some of you listening, you're like, man, I'm with you, Grizz. I do the same thing, man. I hate rats too. Wait, wait. Hold up. Let's really think about what you're saying there. Let me get this straight. You do everything I did to rid your life of the rats, but you won't do what it takes to rid your life of a far worse problem that you have with sexual lust, porn, an affair, whatever. If that's true, Dude, you know what that means? That means you hate rats more than you hate the sin in your life. You hate rats more than you hate the sin in your life. And that's crazy. Because your sin problem is way worse than your rat problem. God never commanded us to kill the rats in our life. We will never be held accountable for how many rats we killed in our Christian life. But he did command us to kill the sin in our Christian life, Romans 8.13. And we will be held accountable for that, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. So let me wrap this up by giving you some practical examples of what it looks like for a Christian man to prevent sexual lust, sin, porn from returning to his life. 
Number one, you can put Covenant Eyes monitoring software, accountability software on all of your devices. I'm talking about computers, tablets, phones, whatever. Get it on your kids and teens devices as well, dad. You need to know what your kids and teens are doing online. Go to CovenantEyes.com, sign up, use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N, GRIZZIN, when you're at checkout, and they'll give you your first month free. Number two, you can delete apps and social media that tempt you. Delete the apps and the social media that tempt you. Delete it. Close your accounts if you have to. YouTube, Instagram. Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook, whatever. And let's talk about Instagram for a few minutes, shall we? In a recent article by Candace Owens over at the Daily Wire, she wrote this. You might not watch pornography, but if you have an Instagram, you are definitely seeing porn. It's soft porn, but it's porn nonetheless. There is no question about that. You cannot open a social media app without seeing suggested content of women exposing their bodies posed in scandalous scandalous stances. Dude, she's spot on. And you know it. Instagram is a lust factory. You're better off without it. The Grizz Podcast has an Instagram account for advertising our content to try to reach people that are there. Some of them are not Christians. Some of them are Christians way out of God's will. That's where they are. We want to try to reach them. But let me tell you this. I only access Instagram through the Covenant Eyes browser. It's monitored. I won't use the app anymore. The app is off my phone. TikTok is gone. Snapchat, YouTube app, all gone. There's too much temptation on there. On Snap, on TikTok, on YouTube. I won't get on any of them unless it's monitored by Covenant Eyes. I remove the apps. Why? Why did I do that? Prevention. Prevention. Another thing you can do, have your spouse or a friend lock your phone and devices down with a password that you don't know so you can't remove the Covenant Eyes app that's monitoring you and so that you can't download any new apps that tempt you. I have guys that are like, yo, man, I got Covenant Eyes. That's awesome. Yo, man, I got rid of Instagram. That's awesome. Let me ask you a question. At any time, if you wanted to delete the Covenant Eyes app that's monitoring you, can you delete it? Well, yeah. And and if you wanted to, could you put Instagram right back on your phone or some other app that lets you access porn? Well, yeah. Then you're kidding yourself. You haven't prevented anything. You see... I can't add or remove apps on my iPhone because I don't know the password to do that. I have it locked up. 
I have to get it from a friend to do that. And then I have to lock it right back up. I've lost the right to be able to do that on my phone. I don't trust myself in a weak moment when I'm not thinking straight. You know what it's called, what I'm doing there? Prevention. Another thing you can do is unsubscribe from channels and networks that tempt you. Just end it. Prevention. Another thing you can do is don't be alone in tempting environments with females who aren't your wife. Always keep it public. Always have a third party present. Prevention. Another thing is don't allow yourself to be home alone and bored. Go public. Work somewhere public if you have to. If you're forced to work at home in a private room, office, then you know what? Go buy a camera, like an Arlo cam or a ring cam. Put it up in your office. Hook it up to your wife's phone with an app so that she can drop in and look at you anytime she wants during the day or give a friend or a parent access to the camera. No, I'm not kidding. Do whatever it takes to keep the rats out, right? It's called prevention. Put a door with a window on your office. Turn your desk and computer towards the door where people can see what you're looking at whenever they walk in or look through your window. You know what that's called? Prevention. A few weeks ago, a brother in one of our climb teams said, man, if I fall one more time on my Xbox by using the browser on my Xbox to look at porn, I'm going to trash it. I'm getting rid of it. It happened again. I said, did you do it? He said, I did. I trashed it. I said, good. Proud of you. Manly. Prevention. He can live without an Xbox. If your Xbox causes you to sin, what does Christ say do? Cut it off. It's better to go through life without an Xbox than to continue in your sin and end up in hell. Another thing you can do is have your wife or friend password protect your TV or get rid of your smart TV. Get a dumb TV. One of my guys in the climb team, that's what he did. He's like, man, I went and got a Vizio dumb TV that doesn't have a browser. Maybe a dumb TV, but that's a smart Christian man. That's a wise Christian man. Prevention. Another thing you can do is you can set up tracking on your phone so your wife can locate you anytime, anywhere. She always knows where you're at. On the iPhone, you can use Find My iPhone. You can set it up. Think about my friend if he would have had that before any of the affairs started, before any of the meetups. What is that? Prevention. Another thing you can do is give your wife the password to your phone and computer and tell her you have access anytime to look through my phone or computer, text, emails, web history, apps, whatever. What's that called? Prevention. What are you hiding? You shouldn't be hiding anything. Neither should I. Integrity. Integrity, guys. I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, man, come on, Grizz. You're going extreme with all of this prevention stuff. 
You're dang right I'm going extreme. I'm going extreme against sexual sin because I know how devastating it is. I know what it'll do to you. I know what it'll do to your marriage, your family, your church. I know what it's doing to this country. Everybody wants to complain about our country. All these Christian men complaining. Man, things are so whack. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. You know, things are turned upside down. Can't even tell what's... We're the problem. We're the problem. Integrity. Where is it? Hey, man. Quit looking at everything else. Look at you. Look in the mirror. Integrity. You address that first. And then we can start making an impact on society. Let me tell you something. If you keep doing life the same way you've been doing it, you don't get serious about this prevention thing, then you'll keep getting the same results you've been getting. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. It's the definition of insanity, right? To keep doing what you're doing the way you've always been doing it, but you expect different results? That's stupid. That's insanity. It never works. Or there's some of you sitting there thinking, man, I just want to get to the point in my Christian life, in my journey, Grizz, where God changes my heart so much that I no longer have to do any of this separation and prevention work. You know, where I'm so full of the Holy Spirit that temptation no longer affects me. You're an idiot. That's not biblical. That's not how sanctification works. That's how glorification works when we get to heaven. You want to be full of the Holy Spirit? Then do what the Word of God commands. Separate and prevent. Do it and keep doing it till the day you die and go home to heaven. Can the Spirit of God change your heart so that you have less and less desire for sexually perverted things and you have an increased desire for godly things? Yes, of course. But never think you've arrived. Never think you've reached a point in this life, here in this fallen, perverted world, where you are no longer susceptible to sin's seductive power. I love this old quote by the old Scottish preacher, Robert Murray McShane. He says, I'm tempted to think that I'm now an established Christian, that I have overcome this or that lust so long that I've gotten into the habit of the opposite grace, so that there is no fear. I may venture very near the temptation, nearer than other men. This is a lie of Satan. One might as well speak of gunpowder developing a habit of resisting fire so as not to catch spark when a flame comes near. That's good. Let me break that down for you in case you didn't really get what he's saying there. 
He said, man, I'm tempted to think that I'm now an established Christian. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got it together. I'm godly. I'm good, man. I'm at this new level. Things don't bother me, tempt me like they used to. That I've overcome this or that lust for so long. I got so much sobriety under my belt. That I've gotten into this habit, like this this opposite thing where like I don't even fear sin. I, I don't... I don't have to. I can I can go near temptation now and it just doesn't bother me like other men. I can get nearer to it than other men. He says, this is a lie of Satan. This is a lie of Satan. And then he talks about gunpowder. He said, man, one might as well talk about gunpowder reaching some sort of point where it's no longer able to be ignited by a spark, catch on fire, blow up. That gunpowder is like, hey, I'm at this new level now. Put a spark by me or flame near me. I'm good. I, 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 won't, I, won't, I won't ignite. This reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said to the believers in the ancient city of Corinth who were struggling with sexual sin. We're almost done, guys. Hang with me. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. I just want to get to the point where God changes my heart so much, man, that I no longer have to do any of this separation, prevention work, you know, where I'm so full of the Holy Spirit. Temptation just no longer affects me. Man, just could you guys just pray for that, man? Pray for God to do that work in my life. I just need that, man. I know God can do it. That's not biblical. You still have to do the work of separation and prevention. So these are two effective biblical strategies to fight sexual lust. Separate and prevent. And I'm going to stop there for now. This is more than enough to chew on. There are more good and effective strategies that I'm going to be sharing with you on upcoming episodes. For now, go and apply these to your life. Take action today. Don't wait separate and prevent today. Take heed to that story of my friend that I shared at the beginning of this episode. I'm proud of my friend. He's working on recovery, repentance, healing, restoration. He's allowing me to share his story with permission so that you don't make the same mistakes he's made and end up dealing with the same painful consequences that he's dealing with. Now stay tuned for a few closing items of Grizz Biz.
You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey guys, if you find this content helpful here on the Grizz Podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review wherever you listen to the Grizz Podcast. It really helps us out. And if you're a regular listener, then please, would you consider becoming a monthly contributor to the show? You know, the Grizz Podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated. And as a faith-based nonprofit ministry, we fully rely upon God's provision through his people. You can go to our website to make a one-time donation or set it up to become a monthly supporter for as little as $10 or $20 per month. Yes, I'm telling you, even a donation of $10 per month, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a big help to us and what we're doing here. Go to narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com, click on our give page, or you can take your phone right here right now and simply text the word give, give to 301-888-6860, 301-888-6860. It's quick, it's easy to set up, I promise it's also safe and secure. If you are interested in doing some one-on-one coaching with the Grizz, Listen, there's a short online application on our website, narrowtrail.com. My personal approach with one-on-one coaching is highly relational, gospel-centered, and biblically grounded, my brothers. Go to our website, narrowtrail.com. Also, if you're interested in being part of one of our online support accountability groups for Christian men who struggle with porn and other unwanted sexual behaviors, then fill out our short online application for our CLIMB teams. Go to our website, narrowtrail.com, click on our CLIMB team page. I lead all of them. We have some spots available, but they're filling up. Just had a new guy sign up yesterday. If you'd like to connect with me, introduce yourself. My email is jason at narrowtrail.com, jason at narrowtrail.com. I love hearing from our listeners. If you've never connected with me, let me know who you are, where you're listening from. We got listeners all over the world. I love meeting you guys. I'm thankful for all of you guys. I tell you what, you contact me, I'll send you a Grizz sticker, a Narrow Trail sticker. And they're cool stickers, man. Don't forget to sign up for Covenant Eyes Internet Accountability. Get it on all your devices to protect yourself and your kids and your teens. You need to be accountable with all of your online activity. Prevention, my brothers. So when you're at checkout at CovenantEyes.com, use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N, to get your first month completely free. Well, that's it for now, my brothers. Thanks for listening. Take what you've heard. Go apply it to your life. Share it with a friend or a men's group who needs it. I'm going to be back at you soon with another epic episode of the Grizz Podcast. Until then, until then, my brothers, honor God, live manly.